Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. My name is Lori, and as always, I am here with Sarah. And today we're going to talk about endometriosis. Um, This is something that I live with uh, and struggled with really badly, kind of at the same time that my symptoms were really bad. And Sarah and I just randomly talked about it the other day. And she's like, oh, I didn't even know that this was part of your journey. So she wanted to record on it. So yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. I, when Lori said that she has endometriosis and had surgery for it, I was like, how did we go this long without me knowing this about you? Because that is like, to me, it, it Lori's the way that Lori has expressed it to me anyway, is that her symptoms were really heightened from those like 18 years or, you know, at 18 years old, which duh, that is for everybody. Just like hormonally and developmentally, but then adding in that you were struggling with like that chronic pain. I was just like, we have to record on the intersection of the pain and the navigating the mental health system at the same time as navigating like the physical health system, because I don't know what it's like in Canada, obviously, but like the way that I've heard my clients who experience endometriosis express this to me is that they have had to do a ton of self-advocating for doctors who are sometimes like not really, it's almost like BPD in a way. It's like, it's a hard diagnosis to get. Yeah. It's a super hard diagnosis to get um, because at least so full disclosure, like my experience in this was almost 10 years ago now. So um, I mean, I still technically probably have endometriosis, but anyways, just so you know, like my up-to-date data is not necessarily great in terms of how it's diagnosed, but um, maybe before I talk about how it's diag- how it was diagnosed for me, I'll talk a little bit about what endometriosis is generally because not everybody is aware of what it is. So just Googling here, and then I'll try and give a little bit of my own description. So endometriosis is an often painful disorder in which tissues similar to the tissue that normally lines the uterus, the endometrium, grows outside the uterus. Endometriosis most commonly involves your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and the tissues lining your pelvis. So basically my understanding, like from what doctors have told me is that your, like what ends up growing in your uterus, like when you're getting your period, like your whatever, (laughs) the really embarrassing amount of information I have, but like what, like what your period blood would be ends up growing outside your uterus for some reason. And so obviously that's not what's supposed to happen. (laughs) So, um, it can cause like scarring on the outside of your uterus because it doesn't have anywhere to go and that can make things really painful. So when I was having my period, probably from like, I want to say like 16 to when I was had the surgery and everything, maybe a little earlier, my periods were incredibly painful. Like I, I cannot describe to you how painful they were. I, I remember like, I wouldn't be able to work. I would have my period for probably two weeks a month as well. So my God. Yeah. Can we just stop and let that sink in? I need like a moment to let that sink in because bleeding sucks. Just bleeding, no pain, no change in your mood, no change in your uh, like sex drive, no change in your like hunger drive, 
all of which comes with your period, just bleeding sucks. And then you think about all of the other things and then you're experiencing the pain to such a heightened level. Lori, I don't know how people live like this. Yeah, it's really shitty. (laughs) Like it's awful. And like, it wasn't just the pain. Like I would, I would have like a hard time, like getting up, like, I would have to lay on the floor with my he- like legs above my head all the time, heating pads, naproxen out the ass, prescription like naproxen type stuff that was like various strengths. At one point I was like given the, I can't remember the exact med, but it was like what they give people when they have C-sections as like a pain relief, because it was like, that was the only thing that was going to work, which is also not good for you to take regularly. Right. So, um, none of them were opioids. I should say like, they were all like, I think anti-inflammatories probably. Yeah. I was just going to wonder about that or ask about the kind of speaking of intersection, like the intersection of people who have been addicted to opioids as a result of Mm -hmm. that, you know, like endometriosis or kind of like women's reproductive health pain. Yeah, I was definitely never given opioids. Um, I don't know how often they would be prescribed in that situation. Uh, I yeah, mean, I don't know either. That, like, yeah, like the hope is that if there's any alternative, they'll prescribe that first. But it was definitely like a naproxen type thing that was like, there's like just, I think there's three levels and I was on the like highest level of it or something like that. I, you know, I would also have to take time off work and um, I would throw up. And I remember like, there were multiple times where I would sleep in the living room and I would just sleep for like 24 to 48 hours. Cause that was the only way to just survive. It's just like, once you're asleep, hopefully it's okay. Right. It was awful. <laughs> and the way that it's that the way that it's diagnosed or the way that it was diagnosed at the time is essentially they have to rule everything else out. So I don't know if this is the same experience that your clients have experienced, Sarah. Yeah, sort of. I mean, just like they, the way it's been expressed. I haven't done a ton of the, like, I'm not a chronic pain pain specialist, but Mm -hmm. the way it's been expressed to me is that like people have had to really advocate to see the right doctors and to try, you know, they make you try all these different birth control methods and like diet and weight loss and all of these things first before they do whatever diagnostic stuff. So I think, yeah, that's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to think if the weight issue would have been a prominent one at the time. And I don't think it was because I think that that was when I was like quite severely restricting. But yeah, it's an interesting thought too. I'm sure that like, had it been a big issue, they would have said like, yeah, you're just fat, get over it. Well, so the weight thing comes up because I did learn from a client once that people with like PCOS, which is Mm -hmm. often diagnosed with endometriosis, will have different hormones and often women with PCOS, their hormones result in them kind of carrying weight differently. So like they're, the way it's been expressed to me is like less feminine carrying weight, like less fat in the breasts, less hips, more weight in the stomach, kind of taller, bigger feet, things like that. And so that, that kind of, um, uh, profile, so to speak, Mm -hmm. has been more associated with like being overweight. But what I've also heard about PCOS is that 
there's a ton of people that don't meet that kind of classic physical criteria that then never get diagnosed because they yep. doctors are just like, oh, well, you're all because like there is like a certain body type that you would associate with PCOS unscientifically. Um, and apparently there's a ton of people who have it that just like never get diagnosed because they don't meet that criteria, which, or like that, that kind of basic thing, which totally sucks. I don't know if I was ever like, if, if PCOS was ever explored for me, I think it was pretty obvious that it was endometriosis. So it just like yeah. wasn't brought Do up. Do you know the difference between the two? Cause aren't they often co-occurring? I don't know, to be honest with you. I digress though. I mean, similar, similarly. Yeah. PCOS and endometriosis are both going to result in like abnormal periods and a lot of pain. Totally. And what's interesting. So I'm looking at this website right now. I don't know if it's anything legit, but minddoc.com. It's an Australian website. And it says um, borderline personality disorder is a condition of the brain and mind. The development of borderline personality traits is passed on genetically with other impulsive compulsive spectrum traits often present as comorbidities. Female hormone-related conditions such as endometriosis, PCOS, and other connective tissue disorders may be present as comorbidities in the severe form of BPD. So I think there's definitely some sort of connection there. Um, So the way that it was diagnosed for me was essentially they had to rule everything out. So you basically are put on birth control, like the pill, multiple types, um, because sometimes that will... Which, like, yeah, and, like, let's start there. like. People don't want to have to go on birth control if they don't want to, (laughs) you know, like that sucks for some people, especially people who religiously don't believe in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was on birth control way before I was sexually active because of endometriosis. I I don't know. I mean, I don't have a moral objection to birth control. So like for me, that wasn't relevant, but yeah, like I can see that that might be um, definitely a struggle. So then there was like a ton of ultrasounds. Um, and just like basically trying to find anything else that it could be. I mean, I'm very used to getting blood tests now because they were just doing like so many medical tests all the time, trying to figure out what was going on. And the reason that they do this, or at least they did at the time was that essentially the only way to officially diagnose endometriosis is to have surgery and to see those things on your, the outside of your uterus. Right. So that's like, obviously the last resort, which makes sense. So at the time it was like, okay, so take the pill take this other kind of the pill, whatever, like see what works, take all these um, like med, like pain meds essentially. And then hope that it works. So like, you know how you can take the pill like without the blank tabs. So like, that was what I was doing. So it would be like three months of that, like straight the pill without the blank tab so that I wouldn't get a period, hopefully for a certain period yeah. of time. But so then that, that, that can be dangerous too, right? It just builds up maybe. Apparently not. So, okay. Like IUDs, I don't get my period anymore. I haven't haven't had a period. period. Yeah. Like I haven't had a period in like 10 years. I know. (laughs) I I got my IUD removed when Tori and I were going to start trying to have babies. And I had a period for the first time in like six years. And I was like, this blows. Yeah, totally. This this sucks. And now I haven't had one in a year and a half or something. Yeah. So I don't think it's like actually that bad. Although the pill itself can be like really dangerous. Like the blood clot percentage is crazy high. So um, anyways, long story short, it was kind of like being kind of managed by like pain meds and taking the pill regularly. 
but it was clearly not being like managed, managed. Like I was still in extreme pain when my period was happening. Um, and the like times leading up to it and the time following it. And like, it was just really problematic. And I can't remember the exact timing of this, but at, at a certain point I became sexually active and I had incredible pain when trying to have sex, which is super common in endometriosis. And it was, it was like basically impossible. Um, which like sucks the joy out of so much of life. Oh, Especially when was, you're like a teenager, like wanting to like explore your, or however old you were as an adult, yeah. I don't know, uh, like wanting to explore your sexuality, like that was kind of stolen from you then. Oh yeah. It was awful. Like it was yeah. like pain. It was like sex was not fun. There was no question. Like it was, it was awful. What ended up happening. So I had gone to a, um, gynecologist who was really awesome she was also very attractive it was kind of confusing to me um (laughs) I still remember her because she was so attractive um we love a hot doctor oh my god it was it was crazy I could like say her name right now but I'm obviously not going to do that um so I had gone to her and she was kind of like looking at um some of the like the birth control methods and that she was the one prescribing the pain and doing some of the testing um but I ended up not going back to her for like six months And after six months, you have to get a new referral. And so, but my family doctor was super behind. Like I was like weeks, months to get an appointment with my family doctor, to get a referral, to go to this place, to go to this gyno, even though like I was already on her record. I just needed a uh, um, referral. And the reason that I needed a referral is that I started bleeding out of other areas um, that... Hello? were concerning so I other holes yeah yeah I had called yeah very I know (laughs) it's really attractive um so I called the gynecologist and was like um hey like this seems like maybe not good like what's going on and um she was like yeah you need to come in like immediately but you need a referral and I was like are you fucking joking me like I'm already on your caseload Um, But it's just like, because of how the payment system works. And I was like, okay, well, I can't get into my doctor. So like, she's like, okay, well, there's a walk-in clinic at the bottom of my building. Cause like the, where the gyno was, was like a pretty like medical heavy building. So there's a walk-in doctor at the bottom of my building, go to him, let him know that like, you need a referral with me. You've already talked to me. You just need him to like literally write the piece of paper. So I go, I will literally never forget this moment because it was so incredibly triggering and like I literally remember it I remember the parking lot I remember the feeling I remember how much I was crying I remember getting into my mom's car like it was just awful um so I go into this doctor and I'm like hey like doctor so-and-so said that I need to get a referral like I know you know her she works in this building um I'm already a patient of hers I just like need the referral to, so that it can get covered again um and he's like oh, okay like what's going on and I was like well like I have endometriosis or like suspected endometriosis at this time because it hadn't like the surgery hadn't happened and I have now started bleeding elsewhere. And the doctor had said that, like, that she needs to see me and basically immediately. And he was like, okay, cool. I just need to, like, get your medical history. And this is when you get the intersection of mental health. And um, because you had a BPD diagnosis at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So not only did I have a BPD diagnosis, but I was also on 
uh, Seroquel, which I still am, which is an antipsychotic. Yeah. So I, I'm, I probably didn't even tell him my BPD diagnosis until like I had to, but you have to tell him what medications you're on. So, you know, whatever, it was probably Celexa at the time, um, Seroquel. And he goes, why are you on Seroquel? And I said, oh, I have really bad anxiety and I have a uh, borderline personality disorder. His entire. Everything changed. changed. Every single thing in the world changed. And I remember sitting there, I was probably, I think I was 18. And I was like, I'm literally here for a piece of paper to go to a doctor that literally already sees me. This has nothing to do with this. And he goes, you know what? You'll get over it. It's fine. Refused to write me the referral. And it was like, he was totally going to write me the referral until he asked me what medication I was on. And I told him the diagnosis and then it was no. And I left that office crying because I was like, this doctor told me that it was super important that I see her like, what the fuck's going on? And I, in hindsight, I should have, I should have filed a complaint, but I was 18. I didn't I know. know that was an option. Like I, I, I have know. one. I wish I would have filed too. Yeah. Um, anyways, awful. So I called the, the, the gynecologist again and I'm like, I couldn't get the referral. <laughs> what the fuck? So I ended up going elsewhere. I can't remember if I like got like an emergency appointment with my family doctor after all, or I went to another clinic. Anyways, got the referral, go to the gynecologist. She checks me out and she's like, you need to have surgery like this week. And I was like, okay, so the thing that I was told, like, yeah, like the thing that I was that told, like, guy would have prevented you from having a probably life-saving surgery or something like what? I don't know if it was life-saving, but it, well, it wouldn't have been life-saving, but like they basically, if endometriosis spreads to your other organs, it can be bad. Yeah. So that's life-saving. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what the end, I don't know what the end result would have been, but either I way, think that's life-saving. We're calling it. Okay. Like what perfect. a fucker. So if, if I hadn't advocated for myself and been like, call the gynecologist again and then go to another doctor, this could have spread to like multiple other organs. And if clearly, if you need a surgery like that quickly, it's not like a thing you're just going to get over or they wouldn't be doing surgery on you for free. Right. Um, So that was like a really like profound moment in my experience with BPD and the healthcare system. Like I'll never forget it. And I I think about it regularly, to be honest with you. Every time I drive past the building that that doctor was in, I remember it. So that was, that's like some post-traumatic stress right there. Yeah. So I end up going to the gynecologist again. Like I get the referral, whatever. I can't remember the exact mechanism. And she's like, yep, you need to have surgery like soon within a week or two. Well, shit. I had just gotten a new job. (laughs) I was like, fuck. So I had to go to work and tell them like, Hey, I have to go off for medical, which obviously like at the time I was working retail, like you don't get paid when you're off for medical stuff. But like, this is graphic. If you aren't into pooping issues, then you should probably skip ahead like two minutes. (laughs) <laughs> oh wait I have a pooping story I want to tell too then okay you go first okay so um I was living with my, with my dad at the time and he was going to take me to the hospital for my surgery but before the surgery you need to um completely empty all of your yep. systems yep um and so I will never doctor- drink yellow Gatorade again Oh, I don't even, what, what happened with the yellow Gatorade? They didn't make you mix all of the, the cleanse stuff with a Gatorade for three days. I had to just drink it straight and it tasted like metal. It was so disgusting. So basically I go to the doctor. She says, she gives me a prescription for this, like 
I don't even know what it was, but like get rid of everything in your system med. And she says, okay, drink the whole bottle of this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I, my dad takes me to the pharmacy. I go to the pharmacy and I like get the bottle and we read the instructions and it says like, take like one teaspoon. And I'm like, um, the doctor said that I was supposed to drink the entire bottle. And I was like, I don't think this is correct. So we called the doctor and she's like, nope, you have to drink the entire bottle. And I was like, oh, lovely. Okay, cool. So I drink the entire bottle. And let's just say like, first of all, it tastes awful. Like it's like, it's like metallic. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was so disgusting. And then you shit yourself until you can't shit yourself no more. Um, to the point where it was like all night because you're supposed to take it like a certain amount of time before the surgery. And like, I think I had to go to the hospital to check in for the surgery at like 7am. So I was taking it the night before. (laughs) And I ended up just shitting blood for like ever. And I remember going into my dad's room and I was like, um, dad. And he's like, what? Like, you don't wake my dad up unless it's an emergency. (laughs) And I was like, um, I I think I need to go to the hospital. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I know. Duh. Like we're going to the hospital in like three hours. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, no, no. I think I might need to go now. (laughs) And then he's like, what the fuck's going on? And I told him, and then we decided that if I, this is not good medical advice. Uh, We decided that if I told the doctor that this was happening, there's a possibility that they might not do the surgery because we weren't sure. So we just didn't. He was like, figure You're it out. You're so stupid. <laughs> yes, we didn't know. So we didn't That's terrible them. medical advice. Nobody terrible medical me. advice. Yeah, no, <laughs> nobody, nobody take that medical advice. Um, but yes, that's what we did. We just lied. Did you have any symptoms beforehand or like any issues beforehand? Nope, we're all good. Because we were just like, we need to get the surgery done. Like, there's no question. Like, like, no, just I, just, I didn't just shit a watermelon-sized blood clot out of my ass. right like no 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 everything's fine they're probably like really not everything is supposed to be uh anyways so there's that anyways go to the hospital the surgery is like basically there's like two incisions and they like go in and they look this is how they officially diagnose but then they also grape off the like stuff that's on the outside um tissue or whatever yeah like the scarring essentially they like scrape it off or something which should help with pain and also means that if you can prevent that from happening in the future, it's probably still growing out there, but like less so. So at the same time they did the surgery, they also put an IUD in because then you're getting fewer periods, which means there's going to be fewer scarring tissue and whatever. And, and they, and they did say like, you may need to have the surgery again for the time being, let's try this. And so it's actually been a dream. Like I've had an IUD for almost 10 years and I have had very Which little Which IUD issues. do you have? Um, Monero. Morena? It's like the Morena. Sorry, I was You're supposed there. to get it replaced every five to seven years, Lori. No, no, no. I, I've had two. Okay. I was like. This is my second one. No, no, no. Okay. This is Good. my second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, this is my second one. But I, because I've had an IUD, I, I haven't gotten, essentially, like I don't get a period. When I do get a it's period. It's the best. It's the best. Sometimes it's not super comfortable, but like, I don't think it's anything more than like the average. I'm super worried though about, well, not in Canada, but in the States with us getting our abortion rights removed. Like if I have an ectopic pregnancy, they're just going to let me die. (laughs) 
It is not funny. I'm just laughing. No, the fucking state of the world is goddamn insane. It is, um, but insane. I'm like, yeah, I get really nervous about the ectopic pregnancy risk with the IUD. That's the only thing about it that I worry about. Yeah, I don't. Andrew and I don't use condoms or pull out or do anything like that. Like, I have an IUD. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, I, I get worried about that too. I actually like, if I have any symptoms that I think I might be pregnant, I take a pregnancy symptom. test mm-hmm. because you don't, yeah, but I know, but do you know, I am like, if I am pregnant and there's any way that that little tiny cell can grow into a human, it can like, with an IUD. I know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it. Like I did everything I could to prevent bringing this, like little spawn into the world, but if it wants to come open arms, come on in. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you can have one of mine if I accidentally fuck up too. So you're all good. Uh (laughs) I I actually think I would be a way better foster or adoptive mom than I would be a real mom. Like I'm, I know I'm never actually going to have a kid, but I may foster someday or adopt someday. Totally. I think we will too, honestly. Um, so that's another interesting piece here that I don't know I don't know how connected this is to my decision not to have children, but endometriosis can also cause fertility issues, um, which makes sense because your uterus is fucked up. So I, I, I always wonder if that is like a protective thing for myself to just be like, you know what? I'm just not like, cause they said like, you can still get pregnant. It's just way more difficult. Um, which I'm like, at this point, I'm like, thank God. but. Um, sometimes I wonder if like at, at that really formative time of your life where you're kind of deciding what you want your future to look like, like, you know, 16 to 18, hearing that, like, I may not have. Did you already know what you wanted your future to look like at 18? No, no, no. no. But I just mean like, you kind of, like, I feel like those years are when you're like thinking about like, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? Like small thoughts. Now I'm like, I don't want kids at all, but like, oh my God, I'm still in that. No, no, I don't think it ever ends, but I think that that's the yeah. very beginning time where you're kind of like, oh, the start of it for sure. Yeah. 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 I just wonder if like hearing like you might be infertile had a really big formed that. Yeah. Which like I'm fine with at this point, but <laughs> it's just an interesting kind of thought. So plus you're an aunt. It... <sighs> yeah. There's... I am. But okay. Do we need to cut that? <laughs> they're just they're just I don't know I don't get kids dude I plan on spoiling the shit out of these children but I don't understand children and I don't understand the desire to have children it confuses okay um anyways so so but that is that is an interesting and nephews if if in 15 years you're listening to this I'm sure I love you now I'm sure I love you now endometriosis is so under under like under not understood well enough and not talked about enough and like I think there's so many people that are living through like really intense chronic pain and just are being discredited because oh you're just a girl like get over it it's just a period and like it is not just a period yeah no (laughs) the 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 level of pain is absolutely it's impossible to describe 
And well, and, and you're just expected to live with it, right? Like you're just like, yeah, you have to go to work. You have to keep parenting. You have to keep working out. You have to keep preparing meals. Like you just are expected to go about your normal daily life while you're bleeding, you know, from multiple holes and having like <laughs> profound pain. I, I had, I experienced one um, cyst burst when I was, mm. I don't know, it was 18. Oh my God, that shit hurts so fucking bad. And it's like living with that on a daily basis. Like, I just can't imagine. I did pull up some mental health and endo stats that I think we should go over, mm. but can, before we cut this, this portion, can I tell you my poop story? Yeah. Do we have to cut it? Because I feel like Patreon needs to hear. Our I don't story. give a shit. No, everybody can hear my. I don't, you don't give a shit. <laughs> Poop joke. Okay, Kiki. Um, okay. So when I was 23, I started having this like profound stomach pain. Profound. Couldn't function. I went like, like I was for probably like six to eight months until I finally got into the digestive doctor people, I was having this like constant stomach ache. I looked six months pregnant. I was like really bloated and I was having diarrhea like eight to 10 times a day for months. Right. And I like, (laughs) I would have, I wouldn't even be able to get through smoking a cigarette. I'd have to like put it out, go shit and come down and finish my cigarette. Like, so I had had that great unfortunate experience of not being able to get to a bathroom a couple times, which like, yeah, really pushed me into getting to the digestive doctor where I had a colonoscopy and they found that basically my entire intestine was, um, bleeding from ulcers and, um, so not uh, like Crohn's or anything. No, I had, but they ruled that out. Thankfully. Um, I had like, uh, a colitis, um, infection. And then I, I think I probably do have like an underlying, like IBS kind of issue or Crohn's that just hasn't been tested for. I ended up, they ended up saying that it was bleeding ulcers and this ulcerative colitis. And it was likely because of chronic drinking, smoking, drinking too much coffee because of the acidity, um, and too much stress because I was in graduate school. I was working full time. I was in an internship, all of these things, whatever. I'd just gone through a really hard breakup. All of those things. So for like six months, dude, I was shitting my pants and my, I had this roommate, Nav, and he's like, because one time we were sitting on the front porch, smoking a a cigarette and I shit myself right next to him. And I was like, I gotta go. And he turned to me and he oh goes, Oh my God. I have never shit myself t- in, like without. Yeah. No, never. I, sh- I shit myself on the test tube that they put you in at the doctor. And I had to just lay there for like 15 minutes. Oh, like an MRI or something. Yeah. In the middle of all of this at the, at the digestive doctor. And I just had to like lay there and think about how the fuck do I get this cleaned up without like the AIDS knowing I ended up just like throwing out there scrubs. It was like a year of my life of like profound, profound poop issues. Anyway, fair. I feel like they've probably had many people shit in the MRI at the digestive doctor, but yes. Yeah. But mortifying. So Nav turns to me one day and goes, Sarah, 
is it possible you're shitting out of your vagina too? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, cause I learned about this thing. thing where women can shit, like tubes get all messed up and they shit out of their vagina. And when you said that you were bleeding out of your ass, it just like totally took me back to when he said that to me. And I was like, no, there is not poop coming out of my vagina. There is just so much poop coming out of my ass that I don't know what to do with it. But I got my colonoscopy and my endoscopy and I got treated and I, you know, everything's cool, but uh, I haven't, I haven't shit myself since, but like, dude, gnarly. Yeah, that's a thing. And again, not even, yeah, that is a thing. And not even comparable to the endometriosis and PCOS kind of world of pain. Like, I just literally can't fathom it, how disruptive it is to your life. Right. Like, so I couldn't, I couldn't do my work because I couldn't stay at my desk. Like, it's just so disruptive to your life when you experience these things. Yeah. And my endometriosis definitely caused some like, uh, like other than the bleeding bit, but like some bowel issues. And I'm just looking right now and it's actually like extra pain during bowel movements. It's apparently like an, uh, like a symptom as well, which makes sense. I definitely had that. Yeah. Do you want me to read from this data? Yeah. Hit me. So, okay. So this is from the National Library of Medicine published in 2017. Some statistics about women experiencing or people who own uteruses experiencing endo. The main findings are as follows. So um, moderate to severe anxiety symptoms were found in 29% of people Depressive symptoms were found in 14.5% of people. Both depression and anxiety occurred in 12.9%. I would argue it's probably a lot higher, but they're probably pulling from just like a white middle-class population. Or just like undiagnosed, which is like huge. Endo patients showed higher psychoticism. I want you to Google this. Psychoticism, probably. Oh, psychoticism. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming. Then, uh, then I know what that is. <laughs> Introversion and anxiety than other women. Um, they're more likely to experience somatization, depression, sensitivity, and phobic anxiety. Um, yeah, women with that. Yeah. People with endometriosis reported more pain, depression, and an elevated risk of developing mental illnesses. Psychoemotional distress is more frequent in people with endometriosis. of people presented depressive symptoms. So not like a full-blown diagnosis, but experiencing the symptoms. And 87.5% with anxiety symptoms and 86.5% with depressive symptoms. And most important, psychiatric symptoms were not associated with the endometriosis stage. So depression and anxiety really high, but they're not currently finding a correlation with like psychosis. But it also but talks also, about like lower quality of life and sexual satisfaction, all of these things. But it says no differences in mood symptoms or personality characteristics were identified. But so the, the psychotic symptoms and the personality symptoms, depending on like what their definition of personality symptoms is. If you think about my experience trying to get the official diagnosis of it, because I couldn't get that referral because I was taking antipsychotics and I had a personality disorder, maybe there's just a miss, an underdiagnosis of those, right? Basically just like not being included. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. Not I mean, being I'm captured. Just, like, that was, that was my experience. 
I would assume that I'm not the only one that had that experience um, because it is one of the a male doctors thinking like, Oh, it's just a period, get over it. And then you add the like, Oh, well you don't understand reality anyways, or you're exaggerating or you're just manipulative or you're just, you know, all of the stigma that comes with those things is so easy when it's something that can't be really shown on a, just like a general test. And your, your like womanhood essentially is already like kind of devalued by a lot of healthcare practitioners. Um, Totally. And do you know what is so strange too, is that like, it has become the norm in, or it, it is the norm in medical care for people who are, you know, have bodies that can get pregnant, that People who are like, listen, I have this chronic pain. I have PCOS. I have endometriosis. I want a hysterectomy. And doctors will straight up be like, you might decide you want kids someday. I'm not going to do that for you. Yes. I had that exact same experience. So and it's um, like, who are you to tell me? And also carrying a child isn't the only way to have a child. Yeah, no, I I've experienced that as well. Many times a, my dad kind of freaked me out before the surgery. And he was like, He's like, just like, just so I know when you're in there, like if you're under and something goes wrong and they had to like take out your uterus or something, like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, what is that something that they're, that they're going to do? And he's like, I don't know, but I just want to like, know that I'm respecting your wishes instead of just like making my own decision. Um, I know. And so I asked the doctor and they're like, oh, we would never make that decision without waking you up first. And I was like, okay, cool. But like, you know, if you did, honestly, this pain is so bad. Just scoop it. <laughs> do it. Like, I don't even care. And of course, no, that's, we would never do that. You're going to change your mind about wanting kids, blah, 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 like all those things. And like, I mean, obviously thank God that that didn't have to happen. I didn't really want to go through menopause at 18. Um, but Could you imagine that and your BPD symptoms? Well, so yeah, no, I can't. So, I mean, I've, I've made it clear to many doctors that like, I, you know, can I tie my tubes? Can I do whatever? Although at this point I don't care because I'm going to keep an IUD anyways, because it helps my endometriosis. So, and it doesn't affect me. Like I don't find any sort of negative side effects at all. Um, so I'm like, just gonna keep, keep going with that now. But I was actually talking to my doctor not that long ago and she was like, do you want, like, she asked if I wanted kids, not like judging by any stretch. And I was like, nope, not at all. Like I plan on being on an IUD until I like can't anymore. And I'm going through menopause. She was like, oh, actually like there's new research showing that you can continue to use your IUD through menopause because it helps keep your menopause symptoms at bay. And I was like, oh, well then I want those hormones. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you, but I think in that one, you keep it in for 10 years instead of five. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Then I'm going to be, I have to have an IED forever that like, <laughs> no question. I, it's yeah. so helpful for me. Oh my God. But now that we're old and five years really isn't that long, you know, like when I got my first IED, I was like 20. And so it was like, well, five years is forever. I won't even think about this now, but now yeah. I'm like, I am dreading in four years when I have to get it removed and get a new one put in. It hurts so bad. I can't, I could literally throw up thinking about the pain of having an IUD put in. Oh my God. I go white and like pass out each time. It's the worst pain I have ever experienced. It's so It's bad. funny you say that because I, so my, because my first one was put in when I was under general anesthetic, I was like, 
so nervous to get it taken out and put back in, right? Like after the five-year period, I was off. Like I was so scared. Aaron had to take like half a day off work to come with me and hold my hand. Like I was so, so scared. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, that was nothing. It felt weird because somebody's shoving a thing up your cervix. Like it feels strange, <sighs> but it didn't hurt at all. It didn't <sighs> hurt at all. And I You must have a I big started, cervix. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's I possible. Crying. I started crying so hard after. And she was like, are you okay? Like, did it hurt? And I was like, it didn't hurt. I'm just crying because I've been anxious about this for years. Like I was so relieved, literally anxious about it for years. And I just burst into tears. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm crying. And she's like, it's okay. And I was like, it didn't hurt. Like, I'm just, I, I have been so scared of this for so long. <laughs> so, yeah, you must have like that. a good size cervix then. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like it wasn't it's not a good feeling. Don't get me wrong. Like it's fucking weird, but it's not, it didn't, it didn't hurt. Dude. I would say that getting an IED is worse than I had my appendectomy. Really? It, it, I like, can't, she told me that I have a really, really small cervix. It's like barely big Mm. enough for the IUD to be in. So I think maybe that's why, but like, I cannot, also my pain tolerance, right? If you lived with endometriosis for years, you probably have a fuckload higher pain tolerance than me with regards yeah. to that specific area of my body. Oh, oh God. Oh. Okay. So we're going on and on, but do you follow Lara, Lara, L-A-R-A Parker? No. So she, I follow her on Instagram. Her um, handle is L-A-R-A-E-P-A-R-K-E-R. She wrote a book called, um, vaginal problems, endometriosis, painful sex, and other taboo topics. And Mm. she, it's been really helpful for me to follow her, um, on Instagram, because I feel like it's given me a lot of more, like a, a much better understanding and education about what my friends like you and my clients experience with these like really profound pains. I will say the one thing is that she, um, not that there's an issue like with this, but that you and I don't use this, that she really um, advocates for the use of cannabis in her pain management and her THC, Mm. you know, like THC specifically is really helpful for her. Um, But like the way that she talks about the reality of living with this stuff is just really eye opening for me. and so, yeah, if people I mean, are you not, know I, don't read. Her. <laughs> I, I, I know you're I, not going to read her book, but like, like if you look at some of these photos, um, I just, that she posts beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The bruising on her stomach and like all of the kinds of like really, um, real realities that she's showing has been really helpful for me to gain an understanding. So Halsey has a really beautiful, speech about endometriosis I want to say it was a speech it's it's not super long but I've I've reshared it basically every time I've seen it on Facebook um maybe we'll reshare it on the podcast Instagram when it comes up but it's it it basically it just talks about her experience with um, endometriosis and how it it's just like so under acknowledged that it's like really really invalidating for people so yeah 
That's my well, experience I'm with just... my fucked up uterus and vagina. <laughs> I know. I was just like literally mind blown that like, how did we go a year and a half of knowing each other or probably even longer at this point, two years of knowing each other, year and a half of this pod. And I had literally no idea that this happened. So I just was like, we have to record on this. And I know that mm-hmm. so many of our people listening also experience this chronic pain. So I hope that they feel like seen and validated in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that um, in super feelers, there's been a one or two people who have brought up having a really hard time finding a birth control that will help with their pain. And IUDs sound really scary, but like absolute game changer for me, uh, like no question. And I mean, they're inaccessible and that they're expensive. So, I mean, that's an issue, but I don't know in the States, maybe you can get them somewhere else. I'm not sure. I feel like they should just give them to everybody at like 15 and then you can get them removed when you want to. Well, <laughs> it's so weird because they're a preventative yeah. health measure. But when I went to Planned Parenthood to get one, I spent $800, which I'm yeah. lucky that I can afford that. But you know, there's a lot of people in this country that cannot spend $800 getting an IUD. So yeah, that was really interesting to me. I I don't know why that happened because I feel like my first IUD was fully covered, but maybe I'm wrong. They should be fully covered. I mean, condoms should be free. All of this needs to be free. Like we should not be be paying for tampons. Yeah. Like, you know, and they should be like not having chemicals and all of that stuff. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I I assume that there has to be some sort of way in Canada to get one for free or cheaper. If you have, if you're like low income, I'm super thankful that my insurance pays for it now. So like, I I mean, that's been a huge blessing, but honestly, if, if you can save up like 10 bucks a month for the next five years, like it might be worth trying to get, get one. Um, I just, I I think they should be given to literally everybody. Well, and that brings up another good point too, of like, again, the, the intersection of like financial stability and health and chronic pain, chronic mental illness, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, remember when I broke my nose, my hospital bill was like, yeah, my hospital bill was $7,000. And then I paid the, you know, I didn't know that my insurance had lapsed from my marriage. So when I paid the $1,500 Cobra and they reauthor or they re whatever they redid the money portion, even with the Cobra insurance applied, I still owe like three 3,500 for just the testing. I never got my goddamn nose reset. So like that's one incident. That's like pretty low key in terms of health. I imagine our people in, at least in the States who are having to have a lot of specialty doctors and a lot of appointments and a lot of surgeries for this stuff are experiencing probably a shitload of medical debt, which is so unacceptable. Like these things mm-hmm. that we can't control about ourselves should not prevent us from owning homes and like planning for retirement. Not, or they're just not getting diagnosed and treated and living with pain that they don't necessarily need to live with because they don't have access. And like your nose was one day a thing that is fixable. Right. Right. And, and like obvious, like, I mean, your nose was clearly broken, like no question. Um, whereas like endometriosis is, I mean, I probably went through like years of tests 
And right. uh, luckily here that's covered, but like, I, I didn't have money at the time, right? Like now no. I can, if I had to, if I had to buy an IUD, I could buy an IUD, but like I was 18, like there was no way I was going to be able to spend $500. So anyways, that's my experience. with <sighs> Well, thanks for sharing your story. I think that was really important. Yeah, no problem. It's been such a long time since I've kind of like really had to, I think about it all the time, obviously, because it never, that, that amount of pain never really like leaves your brain, but I'm really thankful that like the treatment that I've been on has been working and things are manageable. So yeah. Hi friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the bold, beautiful borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey and we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.